This is The Shorts, and you're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries, a duct tape and beer production, with support from New Belgium Brewing, Kuat Racks, and Patagonia. Travel south long enough on the Baja Peninsula, and you eventually stumble across Todos Santos, a whisper of a village two hours north of Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. The town is known for its authentic Mexican charm, while also serving as an artist's getaway and world-class surfing destination. In December 2012, life washed me ashore into Todos Santos. Back home in Portland, Oregon, literal and figurative deaths had been flaring up like wildfire. It all started with my 98-year-old grandfather passing away, then the family dog. A few days later, someone stole my bike, the apartment I was subletting suddenly became unavailable, a relationship unraveled, and my job was relocated to New York City. This all went down over the course of two weeks. Yet underneath this tempest was a silver lining. I had been experiencing a growing itch to leave Portland for a few years, so I took this tidal wave of turnover as a signal to make my move now. I moved to Mexico. House sitting in a simple place in Todos Santos, I discovered the space to breathe, to study, to write, and to create again. I also found myself studying maps and trails of a nearby wilderness area, the Sierra de la Laguna. From town, this mountain range erupts over 7,000 feet above sea level dividing Baja's Southern Cape severely down the middle. In 1994, UNESCO designated the Sierra a biosphere reserve due to its unusually high rates of endemic species and biodiversity. With an average rainfall of 40 inches per year, these mountains source a majority of water for the half million thirsty residents living below. I was determined to explore this important habitat further. On foot, naturally. Ultra running came into my life in 2008 after befriending several elite mountain runners in Portland. I was quickly hooked, competing in trail races ranging from 50K to 100 miles. My career in ultra running peaked last June when I qualified and ran the Western State's 100-mile endurance run, the oldest and most famous 100-miler in the world. Running this historic race was pure magic and might have just been the highlight of my running career. But after my experience in Baja, turns out it wasn't. Now flash forward six months, back to Todos Santos, where I had settled into the rhythms of life there. Through meeting local street artists and environmentalists, I became aware of a strong resistance against plans by Canadian companies to open pit gold mine in the Sierra. My eyes opened to defiant messages splattered across town renouncing the mining proposals. I was intrigued to find out that Although most of Baja was against the mining, these companies still remained relentless in their pursuit for mining permits. So here's the quick and dirty about the issue. Two Canadian companies wish to gain access to the Sierra for the millions of dollars in gold resting below its surface. If granted permits, they plan to open pit mine inside the reserve. Do me a favor and look up open pit mining. It's awful. It's one of the most destructive and resource-intensive ways of mineral extraction on the planet. Aside from upwards of 100 million gallons of water used daily to open pit mine, cyanide and arsenic are byproducts of this technique and can easily poison nearby water sources for hundreds of years. 
The companies tout that with mining comes jobs. Sure, but not well-paying jobs, not safe or dignified jobs, and certainly not very many of them. And with a nine and a half year shelf life, these gold mines provide no viable long-term economic solution. Not to mention the fact that for all this environmental exploitation, 90% of the gold is used for jewelry. The more I learned, the more I got angry. Then I had an idea, a protest run. From one side of the peninsula to the other, local communities would join together and cross through the very heart of the mountains these companies wished to mine. In a day, we would run and bike the 70 miles and up a total of 9,000 vertical feet, crossing the third largest peninsula in the world to raise both awareness and resistance to the mining proposals. So, with overwhelming support from local organizers, it began. For the next three months, I threw myself into tireless planning with artists, activists, filmmakers, and government officials. I waded through layers of cultural, bureaucratic, and linguistic challenges, studying maps and scouting a route that had never yet been conceived. And finally, on one unassuming Saturday in April, it all happened. I arrived at La Ribera, where the protest would start, one day before the crossing. Settled on the Sea of Cortez, this village appeared to be on an extended siesta. A car bumbled past, chased by spirals of dust, as headlines blared from dangling rooftop speakers. Sail and Cambesa meet, today only. Telenovela, finale, 6 p.m., Channel 2. Come to the plaza to support the first annual Del Golfo al Pacifico protest run. This method of advertising worked and half of the town came to the evening rally to support the protest. The turnout was overwhelming, with unanimous disapproval for the mining plans. Most were still also in collective disbelief that one could actually cross Baja on foot in a day. And honestly, I wasn't entirely sure either. It was 2.05 a.m., and the alarm clock didn't startle me because I was already wide awake and nervous as hell. A riotous canine symphony commenced outside as soggy teens tumbled drunk down the road. Invasive vines of doubt crept in. So many preparations for this day. What if we can't deliver? What then? I hacked and I hacked with a machete to keep these defeatist thoughts at bay. This is not about you, Nick. This is about the Sierra. Unsure what to expect, I held my breath as we pulled up to the beach. Resembling a drug bust, headlights circled the large congregation of people while the local police chief stood firm, stroking a hardy mustache. Greeting the protesters, I learned that a dozen other runners and cyclists would be joining this road section up to the base of the mountains. To my surprise, two of the runners would attempt the entire 70-mile route with me. The first was Pedro, short, fit, and fierce. He had just completed the Cabo Ironman three weeks prior. The other, Eduardo, couldn't be more opposite. Thin, tall, and jovial, Eduardo hadn't run more than a marathon, but was moved by the convergence of endurance sport and activism. Our watches rounded up to 3 a.m. No gunshots, no sirens, no corporate brought to you buys. Only blessings, claps, and whistles. Here goes everything. The first 15 highway miles passed quickly. 
and activity radiated from the town plaza of Santiago with our arrival. A police escort led the way, while a film crew captured the action, dangling from an open hatchback. Behind us, support vehicles and ambulances illuminated the road. In all, our protest contingency extended over a quarter mile long. Police sirens woke babies and roosters, while a large group of locals provided handfuls of sweetbreads and coffee. As we began the next stretch of dirt road pointed directly into the Sierra, the town mayor rode a bike next to me. Somewhere in our dialogue, I said through labored breath, No hay una economía cuando tenemos una planeta muerte. There is no economy on a dead planet. It sounded kind of funny in Spanish, but he got it, and it joined our protest to publicly denounce support for gold mining in Baja. As we left Santiago, the circus tent of granite relief ahead contrasted with a straight ribbon of dirt road unfurled before us. I took this moment to review the 12 other protesters, young and old, male and female, bikers and runners. Some had fallen behind, while others looked strong. A red bandana covered Pedro's face, setting him apart as kin to the Zapatistas. Entering the foothills, the first ranches appeared. Cowboy hats, weathered skin, and smiles. Children skipped along to join the protest. A ranch family I stayed with on a previous scouting trip awaited my arrival. The oldest sibling, Betty, joined us, running all the way to the end of the road, her smile an espresso shot of solidarity. As the road ended, only Pedro, Eduardo, and I continued onwards. I saw some fatigue, their eyes now sunken and serious, with salt deposits caking their faces. Now, the 26-mile, 6,000-vertical-foot mountain crossing began. I was humbled as a huge crowd of Mexican ranchers delivered blessings as the faint trail consumed us. Halfway up the climb, a young, toothless park ranger joined our team to guide us through this labyrinth of poorly marked switchbacks. The heat intensified, and Eduardo and Pedro fell behind, so the ranger and I climbed up to eventually reach the high mountain meadows. Stumbling into his primitive ranger cabin, I sat on a tree stump and hung my head low, supremely wasted from the effort. Hours and miles were stacking up, and the two others were nowhere to be seen. Twelve hours in and cramping had become a permanent resident. Pine, oak, and madrone trees indicated significant elevation change, where only hours earlier we navigated through desert scrub. I waited for 30 minutes. No one arrived, so I continued alone. Crossing over a mountain saddle, I laughed in utter disgust as I saw the miles remaining. A technical 11-mile, 6,000-vertical-foot descent meeting Sandy Road, scribbling its way to the mighty Pacific, far, far away. Just breathe, Nick. Keep moving. Quads pounded and seared with pain, I hit this exposed descent in the hottest part of the day. As my water bottles dwindled, views of the Pacific Ocean in the distance taunted me with an infinite but unreachable source of water. Things teetered on the edge. Finishing felt lifetimes away. Eventually, I arrived at the foot of the mountains, where a group of 20 Mexican students welcomed my arrival. Taking a long break with them to hydrate and discuss ideas of environmentalism, Eduardo suddenly burst onto the scene. His body was a sagging bag of hurt, and mine wasn't any better. Pedro was hours back, but still moving, he said. 
We hugged and put one foot stiffly in front of the other, all the way to the Sierra Park entrance, where friends, park officials, and the media awaited our arrival. The last 15 miles took all remaining fortitude. No physical mountains to cross now, just psychological Himalayans. Body screamed at the top of its lungs to stop, to curl up in the bush, to just give up. Darkness fell as the light from our tailing support caravan illuminated an otherwise lonely expanse of road ahead. Eduardo was nowhere to be seen. Sixteen hours in and well beyond sixty miles, I found myself marching in defeatist surrender. We finally reached highway lights and another large cluster of Mexican protesters joined me for the last mile to the beach. They had traveled for hours to come support our campaign. A huge group of protesters lined the sand with a finishing shoot of flashlights to welcome us in. Shoes entered deep sand while a circle of drummers erupted in celebration. And in an instant, the mighty Pacific crashed before me. A baritone humming of shifting sands and salt spray invited me to lie in the foamy tide, to feel the force of this giant breathing body. I said yes. Fully clothed, saltwater sunk its cold fangs in a chafing around pits and crotch, kind of like being stung by 5,000 box jellyfish. The powerful surf robbed my breath at gunpoint, rolling over sun-scalded neck and seizing legs, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter anymore. It didn't matter because the pain was drowned out by a rising tide of absolute bliss generated from having just run across the entire width of Baja in a day. 70 miles, 18 hours, up and over a 7,000 vertical foot mountain range. Highway miles, mountain miles, and sand miles. Joined by hundreds, supported and followed by thousands. And all to save a mountain range. All to ally with wild space instead of profit. All in defense of wildness. And in a moment, it was over. Keep walking, keep flowing, keep searching for the edges of the system that we live in. You might see a fierce race. Eduardo and Pedro arrived soon after in an ambulance, full of smiles and hobbles. I learned that Pedro's knee had buckled on the mountain descent, while Eduardo's body completely shut down in convulsions five miles from the finish. A huge celebration erupted in Todos Santos to end the evening, with traditional dance and speeches. One by one, government officials, doctors, scientists, and activists all condemned the mining plans. I was in a daze at this point, but I was able to somehow cough out a five-minute speech entirely in Spanish to over 100 people. Later that night, a Mexican boy tugged at my shirt, asking if he could have my hat. This lucky cap had been with me for years. Sketched inside the brim was a handwritten reminder. May the beast be your enlightenment. Without flinching, I took off the soggy, salty excuse for a hat and handed it over. He bubbled with joy swiveled it on backwards, and handed me his own in exchange. The interaction rocked me to the core, as recognition from the future, from this place, from this country, and from this planet. Watching him skip playfully back to his friends, I thought, you now hold a shared torch of responsibility towards defending the health of your community. Now run with it.
My name is Nick Triolo, and this is my short. The protest was an overwhelming success, much more than Nick had anticipated. Hundreds of locals participated, while thousands followed from Mexico and around the world. The Mexican media loved the story and its unusual approach to spreading awareness over environmental concerns. To date, no permits have been granted for these companies to mine. The last update was that the companies had deprioritized their interests in Baja. Nick will be returning to Todos Santos this winter to work alongside locals to continue the fight to preserve the Sierra de la Laguna from future exploitation. We've posted a link on our website to Nick's photos from the run. Check them out. It's really cool to see how the community came out and supported him. Music today from the Ukulele Hipster Kings, Brain Bucket, and our friends Publish the Quest. You can find links to the artists at our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. Support for the diaries comes from the good people at Patagonia. A few weeks ago, they released Warnware, a short film that invites you to celebrate the stuff you already own. And they've teamed up with iFixit to show you how to repair your own gear. Be inspired at patagonia.com. Thanks to Coat for their unwavering support. They've added a sleek and slim roof rack to their lineup. See it at Coat Racks. This is the little company that could and could and could. Additional support from New Belgium Brewing, who encourages you to follow your folly. This episode of The Diaries was produced by Fitz Cahal, Jen Altschul, and me, Becca Cahal. We'll be back soon with more stories. As always, thanks for tuning in. 